Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Bobby Albert. A beautiful statement that he has uh, said here. He realized at some point in his life in business, I want to be a values-driven company that achieves results, not a results-driven company that has values. There is a distinction. We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, he has a book, Growth Impact, True North Business. We're going to be talking about his book. But he's been business for the last 40 years, around business, surviving business, thriving in business. And a number of years ago, he had one of those light bulb moments when he really, 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 truly understood what it was all about. He was sitting in a meeting with business leaders and entrepreneurs, and they were talking about the tension always between being driven, the bottom line financial results, and the desire to create work culture where people enjoyed working and where they were able to grow to their fullest potential. And that's when it all happened, the values-driven company, not the results-driven company. And that took him a few years to figure out, as it does with everything in life. He had to look at his own values and where, um, how to create a workplace where everyone's values were aligned with themselves, each other, and overall values of the business. He impacted changes in his company, focused on more people and less profits. An amazing thing happened. The profits increased. Unexpectedly, he had business growth, success during some really tough times when others similarly were struggling. As he looked at why they were doing well and others weren't as fortunate, he realized even though he had a great product, the difference came in that he invested in people. That is magic to my words, Bobby, invested in people. And it's one of my mantras, right? Is that if you invest in the people, you show people dignity and respect and you want to listen to them and allow them to participate, that is really truly where you see the abundance grow. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be on your show today. I think it's taken a long time for people to realize, you know, that it, it is about the people that you need to focus on because when people are happy when they feel heard when they feel that they're really contributing and they look at work as as an, a kind of extended family instead of oh god eight hours in that place you know now you're going to see people who have more loyalty they feel they're more respected there's more value and that always creates more productivity doesn't it because it creates more creativity well you're exactly right and uh, i appreciate you giving so so much emphasis on our uh, uh, our core values of our company, and actually, it's interesting you're talking about people. Is that's one of the things I discovered is that if I, uh, I instead of focusing on results, I focus on on developing the people that gave mm -hmm. me the results. Yes, yes, yeah. That's where it's at. You know, it, it, people want to please. People want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of growth. They want to know that they're eight hours a day, you know, that they walk away feeling that was a good day. I was productive. I love my coworkers. And you see such a camaraderie, 
you know, a village, a community where everybody's there supportive of one another. And it can't help but expand the growth because people are in synergy with each other. Yes, uh, that was one thing about uh, we had developed a culture where people thrive. And as you mentioned, the profits soared. Mm -hmm. And a lot of has to do with, uh, you know, for many years, our employees, I mean, for many years, they knew what our purpose, why we existed, our vision, where we were going and uh, what I call uh, super objectives that some organization may be called mission is what did we wanna accomplish every day? In other words, when they walked out the door, they would be asking themselves, did we accomplish yeah. this? But one thing, and you mentioned it, it took me several years to figure this out, is uh, I kept thinking something is missing, mm -hmm. something is missing. And it finally came to me it was the core values. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I tell you what, uh, uh, once we introduced those core values and you talked about our profitability, but, and that was in 2005. And then in 2011, when I sold my company to a publicly uh, traded company, as you mentioned during that time, the, you know, the economic times were in the tank in late 07, 08, 09. Yes, I now, remember it like, well. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people are experiencing right now today. Yes, yes. You know, with the health and economic uh, crisis. But even at that, we grew our revenues and profits by 500%. Wow. And, you, you know, you just, uh, it's almost you know, unheard of, but I am convinced it had a lot to do with our core values. And we are, you know, our value statement, it's interesting that you give so much emphasis on the people, on people, the value statement that I came up with was people, people, people. <laughs> yes. If we treat people like robotics, you know, that's what you're going to get. If you, if you know, if you, if you just, you know, I mean, you've got the undercover boss, you know, where the show where it, it really, they go in and, and learn how hard people are working for that company and how unappreciated they are when you appreciate someone. And that means, you know, they can come in having a bad day and they can take a moment where other people can be there to support them. They can come in wanting to celebrate and they know they can celebrate in this family. It is a home away from home, isn't it? And so, if they feel welcome, then they're going to want to be there and participate. Yes, uh, you know, uh, you know, this actually is hard to believe, but back in in the 1980s, now that was long time a long ago. time ago. That's when yeah, I first came here. Yeah, 41 years. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I started realizing the importance of people, mm -hmm. and uh, I have to admit, prior to that, I was pretty hard driven for results, but I learned that it's, it's you know, it's relationships and results, not one or the other. Because no. if you go too heavy on relationships, I call them country club managers. They're <laughs> going around patting people on the back, kissing babies and things, but no results gets done. Right. So uh, it's got to be both. But what we what i did back way back then is we had the traditional organization chart like with me at the top and you know i had the 
leadership team and you just go on down, but we had it and we continued to have it all those years. So people understood roles and responsibilities. Right. But one of the things that was significantly different is I took that organization chart. And by the way, with that type of organization chart, what does it tell all the employees? You come to work every day, who to serve? Mm. The guy at the top mm -hmm. or gal, mm -hmm. the guy or the gal at the top. But what I did, I took that organization chart and turned it upside down. Nice. And it's based on, uh, you know, Jesus talking to his disciples and that I come to serve and not be served. And so I, with me at the bottom of the organization chart now, I took the responsibility uh, to serve, equip, and uh, develop the leadership team. They knew it was their responsibility to serve, equip, and develop. Uh, like supervisors all the way up to the frontline people were at the top of the organization, but even above uh, that, those frontline uh, people at the top of the organization, they was another box and it had customer mm -hmm. because we, we all depend on the customer. If we didn't have customers, we couldn't yes. stay in business. Yes. So everyone knew when they came to work every day, I'm coming here to help my teammates uh, so that we can serve the customer. It's compartmentalization, isn't it? Is that there's a time to get together and play. Um, and there's there's a time, you know, where you really have to, everybody to the grindstone, you know, we've got a deadline, we've got to do this. And if you can compartmentalize it, as you said, not have the country club CEO, which is, you know, pat pat on the back and everything's playtime. Um, I used to have a restaurant and in training the restaurant I say, you know, when, when everything's done and at the end of the evening, we'll relax, you know, maybe have a beer, have a pizza, this, that, or whatever. And we relax, you know, had a good day. It's time to celebrate, but we don't do that until we finished serving our customers and that take pride in serving customer. My son has a restaurant now and he's done exceptionally well through this COVID time. I'm very, very proud of him because for him, it's serving for people, the the clientele, the staff, the back end staff, and the suppliers, right? And so he's serving the whole community. And if they go away with a smiling stomach and a smiling face, he's feeling abundant. All right. So being off service is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. And it's the greatest gift you can give each other, which is not servitude, which a lot of companies, it feels like servitude, you feel like a servant. But when you encourage to be of service and give of your beautiful gift, now people really can appreciate who you are and you can appreciate who you are and everybody wants to put the best foot forward. Yes, and that when you say who we are, that's exactly uh, what the core values, it mm. was who we who we are, yeah. or who I was at you know the start. and, and uh, that's one thing the core values are given there. They are, they come from the you know, from the founder or the leader of the company. And, uh, what, what's, uh, uh, if you're familiar with an author and a researcher, his name is Jim Collins and he, uh, is, he's known for his book called good to great, but in his research, and by the way, he is. Well, this has been, um, oh, I'd say about six years ago, I, I had a chance to 
I spent a half a day with him. And uh, at that time, he had already sold over 60 million copies mm -hmm. of that book. So, uh, but in his research, what he found is, uh, is when um, the, the, those companies that in his research, that these were publicly traded company from 1926 to 1991. And during that time period, he, uh, uh, he uh, is, he's separated between the good companies mm -hmm. and the great companies. And of course, the good companies, they had, uh, they had outperformed the average stock market by two times. Now you think, boy, I'd like to be invested with yeah. them. Yeah. Well, but when he looked at the, there was a small group of companies that outperformed the average stock market during that time period, 15 times. Wow. That's almost, that's unheard of because yes. you gotta think about there was a depression. Yeah. There were multiple wars, multiple recessions. Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, the economy going up and down, all kinds of, you know, social unrest. I mean, just all kinds of things that were going on. And what he found, there were two things that he found in his research is that never changed from the day they were founded by the founders. And that was the core values and the purpose. Core values, who you are and the purpose why you exist. Right. Everything else was on the table for change. Everything. Right. And if you're not willing to change, then you're going to go under. But yes. it's, you know, there's this expectation out there where you've got to do this to survive, cutthroat, you know, the one that grabs the throat, the one that wins. And it's like, do I buy into that? No. You know, I may be a plotter, I may get there slower but I'm not going to buy into that and be that competitive cutthroat nature because they're short-lived. They, they fizzle out because they can't sustain that kind of momentum without feeding the people, so to speak, uh, and, and supporting them. But a company that supports their people. And you know, this, we're talking about a generation where people will go to work there at 15, 16 and get the gold watch at the end, stay with one company, be valued, Nowadays, people have to have two or three jobs or it's very hard to get ahead. So I think you're seeing more entrepreneurs, smaller companies break off as opposed to the very big company where people get lost. Well, you're exactly right. And I have found that as well as the, the, the larger companies in publicly traded companies are so driven for results, mm -hmm. you know, for the stock, uh, the shareholders. And um, uh, it, it, but it's kind of like solving symptoms rather than the root yes. cause to the yes. problems. Yes. And, uh, and, and so, but one thing else, if I may share this uh, is uh, in my company, we had these buttons. Uh, and one of them was called the one, two, three. And, um, what that stood for in today's terms, uh, it, it's, you know, you hear a lot about in, in the culture, you know, how to build a workplace culture uh, is how to engage employees. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a lot of people don't know how to do it. I mean, it's a great term, you know, uh, but the tendency is to make culture the goal rather than the fruit. Mm -hmm. And if you can think of a fruit tree, 
is that, you know, the farmer, if he has an orchard of fruit trees, he spends a great deal of time on the, on when he, before he plants a tree that, you know, the roots, you know, cultivating the tree later on, pruning the tree. And, you know, in some cases it takes five to 10 years to produce fruit. Right. So that takes a lot of faith. Uh, but what I've learned is that if you do the right things, uh, eventually your culture will produce the fruit that you've always been looking for. But let me give you an example of what I mean by one, two, three. This is going way back, but my prior uh, way of leadership was when I was Mr. Idea Man. I was the innovator in our company. And uh, uh, so when I got an idea on my own, uh, I would go and uh, do all the research on my own. Then I would come up with all the questions on my own. I would then, you know, come up with all the answers on my own. Then I went to our leadership team and basically was saying, look what I've done for you. Right. And it never did go over well. No. Who made you the boss of me? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where's it, the invitation for our innovation? Yeah. So, <laughs> when, uh, so sometimes it would take months. And even some, in some cases, years to implement a good idea. Yep. And uh, I never could figure out what the problem was. Well, a consultant did what they called, you know, today a 360 evaluation on me. And the, re the results came back is that uh, it was all confidential, is that what the leadership team and even some other people that, uh, you know, that filled out this, this uh, 360 evaluation is it came back is Bobby, when you get an idea, get us involved on the front end, not on the back end after you've already made up your mind. Right. Well, to be honest with you, it made me mad. <laughs> I mean, I thought of all the excuses, like <laughs> they don't understand me. They don't appreciate all that right. hard work I did for them. And all they had to do is just implement and execute, you know, and, uh, uh, but it was a good thing. I had a night to sleep on right? because I woke up the next morning and I'm thinking, you know, these are wonderful, good people. They, they have my best interests and they gave some honest feedback, even though I didn't like it. So, uh, I changed the way I was, uh, I was getting people involved. This is where the one, two, three came in. And what it says is at the beginning of the decision-making process and before you make a decision is ask yourself three questions. Who can help me make a better decision? Who will be impacted by it? And who's going to have to carry it out? Then you get those people involved in the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. That's what, they call today is engaging employees that employees loved to have a boss that they can contribute toward the decisions that impact them. And they're asked to be, you know, carrying out. Yeah. And, uh, that was so ingrained into the culture of our company, uh, is that when I sold my company, if you walked around and just talked to our employees, they would have talked with you, talk with you 
as though they own the company and not Bobby Albert. Right. And you can't but, buy that stuff. No, the pride, right? The pride, you know, I, I kind of call it the what if syndrome, you know, and the what if is, is what if we did this, but what if we did that? And you see people what ifing, and all of a sudden you've got something that's reached the sky, right? This is fantastic. It'd be great to do this. Okay, now let's reverse engineer and see what's possible. Right, but if you don't allow people to to dream, to, to what if we could do that, and allow them to really expand in the ideas, how do you know what really can be implemented? And I think that brainstorming, uh, you know, creative what ifs, and even the janitor or the tea lady or whatever comes up, you know, what if we change the system and do this and do that? We could be more efficient. Listen. They're, that's their department. They know what's needed. Invite them to the table. Let them have a say. Because we never know what wonderful innovations are going to come out of that. And then you look at what's possible. How do we make it happen? Yeah, you know, one of the things I, <laughs> I it was a lesson learned was that uh, uh, it was pretty fascinating that uh, a lot of these people had better ideas how to do it <laughs> than I did. Oh, you know? God, the ego's been hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I had to uh, set aside my pride. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, boy, when I started seeing the results yeah. uh, out of, uh, you know, it's kind of one of these things. Uh, one of the things I teach called uh, uh, process and content. It's a similar to uh, relationships and results. Process is kind of the people uh, it's, it's more dealing with how you say and do things. Yeah. The content is, you can think like a container. It's what you say and do. And, um, uh, so when, so what we're talking about here about engaging employees is really focus on the how, how you do things. And I learned that if I went ahead and invested on the front end of engaging employees in the decision-making mm -hmm. process, the implementation and the execution phase was shorter mm -hmm. and they always gave me better results than I even thought. Well, instead of it being kind of one piston, they put all the engine together, you know, and that's the thing is that we can come up with a brilliant idea. It's an idea, but what about the components needed? And if everybody kind of comes up with those components from an idea uh, and now they kind of mechanically put it together, you've got a really good production engine going on there that will gather its own momentum and become a lot quicker because everybody's involved. Yeah. You know, uh, what we're talking about is developing a team mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, there, I have this, uh, I hope I can remember it's my own quote here, but <laughs> it is, uh, uh, do you, it's a question is, do you have a team, a team of individuals or individuals on a team? Mm, I like the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. the individuals on a, on a team. Yeah. Because so many organizations have wonderful, uh, very competent individuals but nobody's working as a team. Right. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're looking at a feast, you don't want just want meat and potatoes. 
you know, we want a buffet and the buffet means that there's a lot of creative dishes there and people can partake to the ones that they're, that they're inspired to do so. Uh, there's room for everybody. And even if it's a great idea that, you know what, that's a great idea. It doesn't fit in this one right now. We're going to shelf it and come back to it later. All right, and see what we can do with it because it's a great idea. It's not dismissing people, it's inviting people. And I think that inspiration begets invitation, right? When you inspire them to step up in that individualism at the table as a team, then the invitation is for that creativity to take place. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, uh, what I learned that, you know, in, there's a lot of things to this, but, you know, especially when you're engaging employees is that it gives you an opportunity to constantly signal to them is that I care for you. I care, yes. for, you. I care for you. Yes. And when you, you already, you know, mentioned this, but, you know, when you start treating people with dignity and respect, and um, they, they, they give it back to you, you know? Yes. And trust is a foundation of leadership. And uh, if you treat them like a real, real, I mean, like they, a person and they have a sense that they belong there, boy, I tell you what, they come to work, you, you, kind of, you already touched on it. They come to work every day, excited with a passion Yes. Uh, with enthusiasm. And it, that's another thing. You just can't buy that stuff. Sense of belonging. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, we all want to know we're counted. We all want to know, look, I've got a purpose too. My purpose is to help you with your purpose. Right. But if you're not, if you're ignoring my purpose, then I don't feel appreciated. So if yeah. everybody can step forward, you know, in, in their own beautiful divine light, and you know, you, you, you mentioned Christianity, and it really doesn't matter what faith people come from, but people who open up to a faith, open up their heart, allow that divine knowledge to come through them, lift up their spirit into action, the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. But there is that meaningful purpose of wanting to contribute, wanting to serve, wanting to be a part of something. And yeah. I think that's the greatest gift you can give yourself and give your community. You know, it, in an orchestra, there's an awful lot of individuals. Each one of them is responsible for playing their instrument. Yes. But they're in an orchestra playing in synergy and in harmony with each other. Exactly. Now they create the symphony that is resonating out to everyone else. We've all got a part to play. Yes. Yeah, you, you, you remind me, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about the one, two, three is a button. I mean, we actually had a physical button. Uh, we had a, another button. It's called inside outside. Yes. And, uh, uh, but the phrase that comes with that uh, is that our service to our external customer can only be as good as our service to each other. Amen. Yes. And, and, and so what we did, uh, you know, there was a time, I mean, we're talking about a long time ago. <clears throat> uh, you know, we had people working together, but I don't think they realized and valued that people in other functions or other departments uh, really depended on them doing their job. Yes. And so, uh, I, when I first introduced this, uh, I, uh, I took a, uh, I, I made a, a baton, you know, like you do mm -hmm. in a, in a mm -hmm. relay race. 
but I didn't go to the store and buy one. Now you're going to laugh when I tell you, but what it was is two, uh, uh, toilet rolls, <laughs> you know, the, of course the paper, the tissue is already off of it. Right. Uh, held together by some duct tape <laughs> and they were the ugliest, I mean, the <laughs> ugliest screamers hanging out on both. Ends. Something and, your kid would make, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, uh, that was probably, I should have done that because they probably <laughs> would have done better than yeah. I did. But, but, uh, is that what I did is that, you know, nothing happens till somebody sells something. So, uh, what I did, I would uh, hand the baton over to the sales, you know, a salesperson. And we would talk about the role they played. And then I asked them, would you get up from your chair? This is a company wide meeting. Would you get up from your chair and walk across to, uh, operations and hand the baton to them? And, and I just kept on going, you know, to uh, customer service, to uh, accounting, uh, and then there was some other functions, you know, beyond accounting. So uh, people really had not realized how interconnected yes. we were, and we were all so dependent on each other. And that's right. And it, it, we started talking, you know, we broke up into table groups, mm -hmm. started talking about how can we serve each other better and all those kind of, but you know, what was the fact, you know, it started people realizing that, okay, I'm in sales. If I happen to in the computer system, type in the wrong street address. Right. And, and we show up at a house that's not the right house. All of a sudden, and the and the customer, the real customer, were late now. They're upset, mm -hmm. you know. So how did we didn't serve that customer well? Right. So uh, it really was a great uh, illustration as to how we can. And what I did, I broke people up, and and I had a, a word document for them to use. And what I did, you mentioned suppliers, but we were talking. About, what I did, I had the internal customers to go to their internal supplier and do an interview with them. Right. You know each other. That's right. Yes. And how can I serve you better? You know, right. it's, it's like, okay, what do you need from me? And what do you do with what I give you? And what are the gaps between what you need and what I give you? Well, some uh, some of these people got a boatload of ideas of how they could be better served and it made us better to working together as a team i um, was a rep i was lived in south africa for 11 years when i was a rep uh, for a couple of companies and i would go around to the suppliers you know to the people selling the product now i would first woman rep for mobile oil i didn't know a thing about mo oil i didn't need to they did it was about customer service and it was about listening what they need, or it doesn't come on time, or this, that, et cetera, or whatever. Uh, and it was for me to listen to their needs and bring it back home. And unfortunately, I'd bring it back to my boss, who decided they were going to ignore me. And somehow I would end up in a meeting in, you know, kind of a big group meeting and mention it. Why wasn't this board up before? <laughs> you know? I, I realized I was a disruptor. And didn't go in there to disrupt, but I disrupt because for me, it's all about the people 
and it's all about are they getting the service are we they know the product there's a, whether they want to go to the competition or not is, is up to them but they will stay with people that gives them good service that hears them and if you're not going to pay attention to the needs of that customer how can you serve them well and if your ego is getting in the way then you're not serving anybody including yourself yeah you know if i may uh bring up another button because you got me you got me on a roll I'm here. pushing all the buttons yeah you're pushing all the buttons but, uh, uh, we had another button that had three e's on it we call it uh triple e and we talked in terms of giving a customer a triple e experience now the the basis of that we uh you know i mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh the super objectives well one of the super objectives was delighting the customer and to us delighting the customer was more than sat just satisfying them and of course you know a dissatisfied customer we looked at them in three categories delight the customer uh satisfy them or just are dissatisfied and uh but where, where the triple E is, what it stands for is uh, giving a customer an experience that exceeds their expectations. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, let, we have to be honest, it's hard to balance uh, not to promise too much that they don't, you know, they buy you can't deliver. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah. deliver, but to promise enough that we can deliver and even do it even better. And the but, customer will be forgiving if something goes wrong. You know, yes. this is one thing in running a restaurant, you know, maybe there's something wrong with the food or it's late. You know, this is always pops up in my shows. It's kind of place where I'd like to be right now on the beach. <laughs> um, and, you know, the wishful thinking here when we get traveling again. But it's like, you know, when something goes wrong, you know, the customer is always right, unless the customer is extremely rude and then off they go. Um, but the point is, it's worthwhile giving a discount or it's worthwhile buying them a dessert or it's worthwhile giving them a, a voucher for another visit and apologizing because then they know you're not just there to take their money and go and don't give a damn about them, that you really do value them as a customer. And they go, I know you're busy today. I know things go wrong. Don't worry, I'll be back because you've shown them that you care. And a huge part of business, business success is the customer service, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. And if I may share uh, two stories, uh, uh, how it really, uh, it really hit home with our employees. Uh, one uh, at one of our company wide meetings, uh, what I did, I gave everybody at a, at a table because uh, we had multiple tape because we had over 150 employees. Wow, and, and that's so, a lot to juggle. <laughs> yeah, so uh, at a table, they'd be like six people at a table and they all got an envelope. Now, I told them, don't open them yet until I, you know, tell you. Well, uh, is uh, one, uh, in one envelope had a $10 bill and another a second envelope had a five dollar bill and everybody else got one dollar bill now what i did is when i at when i said now open up you know the envelope well guess what the people that got 
a $1 bill. They, they were upset because they saw their, their friend across the table got a $10 bill. And they saw another one got five and they got one. Mm -hmm. Well, I use that illustration to talk about how a dissatisfied customer feels yes. when we don't deliver. And, and then we went into discussion groups after that, you know, brainstorming how, you know, how we can improve our service to our customer. That's one illustration. Uh, another one, and it was still on the triple E. Uh, it was another day, another company-wide meeting, because uh, we brought that triple E back. We had so much good success with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I gave a lot of emphasis to a, a slogan, careful, quick, and kind. And it ended up being the theme for the whole year. And this gets into the what and how, like we talked about a while ago. So to help our, you know, the, uh, the careful and quick is more dealing with the what's, what we say and do. But the kind is how. Yeah. Is, it's the behavior. It's, it's how we say and do things. And we talked a lot about those differences. And uh, so what, to, to really get into their head, I had each table, they were competing against the other tables. And I asked them to develop a, a, uh, a slogan song using those words. And man, I was, I tell you what, I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, the people stood up at the tables. They really got into it. They got their, you know, their song down and created their own music. And then each one got in front of the, uh, the whole group, each, each table. And uh, there was one team, one table that chose to sing it as a rap, a rap song. <laughs> And I tell you what, it brought down the whole, I mean, I'm surprised the walls didn't fall down on us, you know, but it was like everybody knew they won, right. they won because yeah. it was that good. And, uh, but you know what, for a whole year, it, th those, those words, careful, quick and kind, which kind of comes off your tongue yeah. fairly easy. They never forgot it. Right. But the thing is, because they uh, uh, they understood the, you know, the the why behind all of this and they even experienced it. It was like it it was seared, you know, in their brain. Yes. Yes. I'm going to go back to something you said a little while ago about, you know, handing the baton. I had a wonderful woman on uh, beginning last year when COVID locked down and she'd be one that would go into corporations and show how managers from different departments could interact with each other and support each other. All right. You know, like they're carrying the weight on their shoulders, but if they're talking to another manager, I've got this problem in my department, or I've had that problem, I did this, and form support groups. And she would show them how to structure that support group. She would check in with them to make sure they were on track. But not only was it support for each other, it was communication between departments and knowing the thread. I mean, how often do we see this in business where the departments are also separated and there's no common thread to pull them together? And then, you know, that's when you start having a dysfunctional um, society in the workplace because it then becomes competitive. 
or comparison. And we don't want that. We want that thread that holds it together and that, you know, personal respect and value of the people that work for you. But the, the same, the purpose of why you're working together, what you're here to do, that is something that can glue everyone together, isn't it? Yes. It, it, you know, um, you, you help me. One of the, it's a simple little thing. If you have a company wide meeting, uh, is, uh, we, we, when, when all these employees would come in with these usually started like at, you know, seven 30 in the morning, these meetings and they'd go till noon. And then I'd have uh, lunch catered for everybody. But the, uh, we would pre-assign people to the tables. Now they knew it in advance. They were going to be pre-assigned. So they didn't know who, because guess what? When you go to a meeting, who do you sit with? Your buddies. Yeah. Someone, you know, yes. Yeah. And you probably work with in yes. your department or yes. something like that. Well, we, by pre-assigning, we put people through cross-functional teams mm. intentionally on in each table. Valuable, so, really valuable. Uh, yeah. So people were having to talk and yeah. have brainstorming and discussion with people they uh, they, you know, they've seen them like across the parking lot or something, right. but they just didn't work with them. And it was amazing how some of these people became real good friends mm -hmm. in other departments and things. And, They'd and go to lunch across together. the aisle, so to speak, to communicate with each other, right? And yeah. work together. Which and those is are just some simple things. Yeah. I'm a True Colors coach. I don't know if you know about True Colors, the Myers and Briggs, the four key personality traits. And we are all four key traits but there's generally one that's higher and then the others that kind of come into different spheres which can be affected by what's going on in your life but that one that you really are is kind of the key who you are and I've always found that if we can identify the person's trait by the way they see things by their language instead of imposing our language on them we find a way to speak to them in the way that they hear and understand and everybody learns okay you're, you're that personality coming at you with logics uh, you know, manuals is going to be a waste of time. I've got to speak to you in a language you know. And if we learn to re respect each other's language and perception, we're going to be able to get the bigger picture and not be so narrow-minded. So there's so many different techniques. There's one book that I always love, Who Moved My Cheese? By oh, Spencer yeah, Johnson. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Simple, but it also goes so much with the true colors because of the four key personalities are those those colors. And, and it's... Uh, and, and, you know, when we're aware of who we are and how we react, you know, again, we don't take things so personally, right? We now know who really can hear you and, and how you have to adjust your language with other people. And instead of like, you're different, so you're weird and I don't want to have anything to do with you, we don't see things in the same way, but I still respect your point of view. And respect is something that's so utterly important in a business, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, one thing else, if I can come back to the core values, you mm -hmm. know, is um, in Jim Collins research, <clears throat> one, one of the things that was the strength of these companies that outperformed the average stock market by 15 times is that everybody inside the company had the same core values. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, he just used the term, it was like a, a cult inside the company. And 
I, I, I to be honest with you, until I discovered who I was mm -hmm. uh, to share this with our employees is uh, uh, our human resource department, HR department. Somehow they knew the kind of people that Bobby Albert wanted to hire. Yeah. And somehow they hired people of the same core values. So when I finally introduced our core values, mm -hmm. when I, afterwards, after these company-wide meetings like that, I always walk around and it was a constant same thing said over and over, Bobby, this is who we are. This yes. is who we are. Yes. I'm proud of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, you can probably tell, I like to have fun. So, uh, which is essential in any business. It breaks the tension and it invites people to be a part of something. Yes, exactly. Well, when I, the, the, when I introduced these core values, I just didn't, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't just like knowledge. I took like the first core value was to pursue personal growth. Mm. Well, what I did, uh, uh, before I told them, I, uh, we played a game called will of values. It was modeled after Will's <laughs> the fortune. Uh, will of fortune on TV. <laughs> and so, uh, what they did, they had, uh, they had a game board and they were, you know, with the, you know, with the, trying to fill in some of the blanks of the letters and I, uh, they were to guess what the letters were that to fill in and, uh, the people, the, the table that guess that phrase first, uh, they were supposed to yell the word givers. Now I'll, I'll come back. If we still have time, I'll mm -hmm. explain that, but that table, they had a ch chance to, I had a big old spinning wheel behind me with with prizes on. Now they weren't like a 60 inch colored television. <laughs> Shucks. But they were pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good. They were pretty good prizes on there. And, and you know, it didn't matter about what the prize was. It was just kind of getting the prize and standing yes. up and say, I got yeah. something. Yeah. Well, and after uh, a table announced, you know, okay, we got it, uh, is I shared. Uh, where that came from a lot of the stories were like when i was a little boy yeah. you know and things like that and then i had each table go to a flip chart each table had their own flip chart and they were to discuss how we are going to live out this core value in our company right it was amazing the ideas that came out mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. and yeah. we we played that game they were six core values we played it six times and, but where the word givers, if I take a moment to share where it came from is, uh, when I came up with these core values, I got our graphics company involved to help me come up with a logo. Cause I was going to pass out t-shirts mm -hmm. and, uh, and they just simply asked, well, Bobby, uh, 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 what's the key words? Cause I had the core values listed. They weren't in any particular order. I just had them listed and they said, what are the key words? <coughs> so I circle, you know, the, the first letter of the, of the key words. And they said, look at this, this play spells the word givers. Well, that matches me as well. Cause I love giving. Yes, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> so, 
when we pass out the t-shirts, it had this, you know, unique logo on it with the word givers on it. Well, they didn't know this was the day before you talking about people in the office. They were, they were trying to brat, you know, bribe somebody to tell them what it stood for. You know, what is, Hey, you know, this Bobby, this guy that has all these ideas and things. So, uh, it, I tell you what, it was one day, everybody showed up on time. (laughs) You know, they want, they were inquiring minds want to know. (laughs) So, uh, that's how we introduce our core values. Mm -hmm. But it, again, by them engaging them to come up with ideas, how we're going to live out, see it stuck with it. Mm. And, uh, it, 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 it's when we got through with this meeting, it was like they found themselves. Yes. But isn't that, you know, I mean, this network is called self-discovery and you know, everything in our journey is a self-discovery, you know, um, we must never be complacent with who we are, uh, where there's always room for growth, always room for exploration and wonderment. And, you know, your, your chapter of that particular business was over and, you know, you've done other things, including write. So let's talk about your book, uh, your book, your book, <laughs> no, True North Business, uh, The Leadership Guide to Extraordinary Growth Impact. Um, have you incorporated a lot of what we've spoken about today in there? Well, uh, in the book, uh, in the early part of the book, I talk about uh, the, uh, the four, well, I, I call it actually five essentials. And that includes the core values, purpose, vision, and super objectives or mission. Uh, but the fifth one is effective leadership. And I go into uh, these uh, uh, seven life and leadership principles. Uh, but the, the three other additional sections in the book is one of them is, uh, it's, it's called on and in. And uh, what that stands for is is working on your business while you work in the business. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the second, the next section is it's wow, just W-O-W. And what that stood for, this has to do when we introduced our purpose and our vision is uh, uh, the first W stood for why we exist. The O didn't stand for anything. And the second W stood for uh, where we are going. <clears throat> And uh, if I may, inter, you know, in, inject something here is that uh, uh, we uh, played another game. Uh, we instead of monopoly, we call it moveopoly. <laughs> and I had created these uh, moveopoly ga- uh, game boards, and uh, they had to, you know, play the game. And of course, they get won prizes and things like that. And uh, that's part of the introduction of uh, our purpose and vision. And the last section was the one we talked about earlier, dealing with uh, the one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the best teachers are those that have gone through the journey of life and been willing to learn, being willing to change, uh, being willing to grow. Um, those that just become complacent and think, well, I know it all, I don't need to change. You know, they're going to be the hem in the book and go without their G's. Life is is constantly about fluidity and moving forward. And if you have a company, you want to be able to be in flow. 
with your company and be able to adjust to the times like this last 18 months with um, with the pandemic. You know, it has shown how many companies have gone under and how many have thrived and survived because they pivoted. You know, okay, my people can't work at uh, work, you know, in, in the company, they can work from home. How do we set that up for them? And it's like, if you show, look, I care for you. I want you to still stay employed. Let's keep the company going, but we've got to come up together. How are we going to do this? And there's an awful lot of thrival out there. But it really, you know, it isn't just about survival, it is about thrival, but that comes together as a community. And I'm saying that the, a village is only important as everybody's participation in it. And that's including the village idiot, because everybody has one. And the more we work together, the more the stronger that village is. And that goes for any company, doesn't it? And, you know, whether, whether you're a small business or a big business, these principles are the same. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> That, a lot of people have a cha their challenge to understand that. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason why I call them life and leadership principles, because mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and even if you're retired, yes. the principles still apply. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's what are you doing with your life now? Why did you call it uh, True North Business? Well, uh, because uh, the emphasis was on... Uh, uh, you know, if you go, you know, if you went out hiking or something like that, you take a compass yes. and you're always, uh, mm. calibrating. And, uh, of course, true North is the, on the compass, you know, that tells you where you are and, uh, you can get back home, you know? And so, uh, the, uh, uh, the things that are taught in that book it has a lot to do with you having uh, the compass that you can always, there's certain things, like I mentioned about these essentials, these principles, the life and leadership principles, and then uh, these, what I call, you know, we mentioned, talked about early, earlier about these buttons. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're what I call ways and, and means, I'm, yeah, ways and approaches and their practices of how to apply the principles and things. So uh, if, if you can, uh, as a business, you know, leader is to, uh, you, if you can keep your compass pointed toward north, uh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You know, before we step into leadership of other people's lives, we've got to step into the leadership of our own. And that is, why are we doing this? What's our purpose? Uh, whom are we here to serve? And then the how will present itself. The how will come together. But you've got to ask yourself those questions first. Why must I go down this path? And when you've got that statement, I just have to, then you know you're on the right road. You just have to. You don't need to explain it any further. Your entire core, your gut, your heart, your soul, your spirit is in it. And you know you have to. What's going to come out of it? whom it's going to serve, how big is it going to get is all in part of the process and the invitation and the people coming together. But know your own leadership first, know your, your own purpose and meaning for doing something, whether it's a small business or a big business. If you're doing it for fame, glory, ego and money, you will fail many times before you've learned the true lesson. But if you're doing it because you really want to make a difference in the lives of others with a simple service, or simple product, whatever it is, the intent 
is to be of service to people and make those lives better in any which way. Now you've got the core value. Yeah, you know, you've mentioned the word difference. Uh, uh, the values-driven uh, leadership, uh, my, my company I have now, as I live what I call my second half of life, mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, is to make a difference in people, for people, and through people. And my vision is to is renewing minds, touching hearts, and transforming lives. And, um, and of course, my super objective uh, or mission uh, is to uh, delight those I serve and to increase operating profit. And you'll do it to the day you die in some form or other, yeah. right? Because when you've got that, I have to, this is my calling, this is my meaningful purpose, and whichever way I do it may change. It's a different chapter in my book, but you are compelled to do that. And the moment you lose that, you kind of lose the reason for living. So being driven by that core, you know, that meaningful purpose to want to, to help other people is, I think, the divine purpose of why we're here. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, the, uh, the, the about making a difference uh, it fits with one of my core values uh uh you know i mentioned that word givers well the s stands for achieving significance and um i'm i'm all about achieving there's a difference between achieving success uh versus achieving achieving significance yes significance is to me is investing in other people. I agree. Success is in is what I can get. And also is an illusion. Yes. Because one person's <laughs> success isn't somebody else's, right? Exactly. You know, can you go to sleep every night knowing that you know you, you made a difference today, how big or small? Yes. You know, can you get up every day greeting the day with gratitude and, and delight in what you're doing? You know, and I think that is really that's where the success is. Yes, right? it is. Yeah, you have to have a, a, a grateful heart mm-hmm. uh, to be willing to give up to, so you can go up. Right. But, now, you have another book, The Freedom Paradox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us a bit about what that one is. Well, uh, it's about the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I've, a lot of these things we're talking about is uh, I applied them to how we can reunite America. Yes. I, I mean, I go, uh, I, I tell you what I did. I uh, did a lot of research on it in history. I mean, I, it was stuff I hadn't read since I was in high school, you know. <laughs> Had and, a different meaning now, right? Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I introduced lots and lots of stories about the founding fathers and things. But uh, what I found, talk coming back to core values, mm-hmm. the founding core values uh, was uh, freedom and responsibility. Yes. Because we're here in America. I know you're in Canada. But here in America, everybody's worried about me. Yes, me, myself, and I. Mm -hmm. You know, my freedoms with 
but they want those rights and freedoms without responsibility. Or at the expense of someone else. That's right. And so what the paradox is, is that as we continue to be, uh, uh, as we continue to live irresponsibly, the more freedoms we lose, mm-hmm. however, conversely, the more we behave responsible is the more freedoms we gain. I agree. And, and that's the paradox. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and the purpose that I found uh, was uh, religious freedom is why this country was founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I go in with uh, four of the life and leadership principles. Uh, I, I don't call them that in the book, but uh, I talk about these shifts that have happened, but we can reverse them. Uh, yes, and we have takes, to. But it takes uh, uh, the leadership to refocus. Yeah. You know, whether you're in a marriage or whether you're just in a, a, a business or whether it's a church, whatever it is, there has to be some structure. There has to be some some rules um, because that's how things move forward cohesively and productively. Everything we've talked about in this last hour uh, can be applied to everything we do in our lives. And if we do that, ask ourselves, what, what is our core value? What is our core value? Now, is it costing me? And is it costing someone else for me to have that value? Now, if it's a value that you're bringing to the table now is serving other people, and we're all serving each other, now we start seeing the glue. And when you put those fingers together, tight like this, it's very hard to break. Because what's the common denominator? Right? Yes. We, Love is the common denominator, (laughs) no matter what the faith or anything or the color or the anything else. Love is the common denominator. That's where the peace lies. That's where the cohesive lies. That's where the camaraderie and the community lies. So you first have to find it in yourself in order to bring it forth to other people. But when you do, that becomes the glue. Yeah, well, that's what made America uh, so great. Yeah. Uh, for so long and uh, what it was um, is that uh, I, I call it uh, my the formula I, it's not in the book but it's my formula is mind times heart equal will and the, what it was is uh, uh, you know the mind is just gaining knowledge the database but, yeah <laughs> Uh, but it, it doesn't stick with you. But when coming back to my vision state, when you touch the hearts yes. of the people, uh, all of a sudden you, you lift people's will up. And when they, I saw it in our own company, in our culture, mm-hmm. the will of the people somehow, I didn't understand it at the time, but uh, before I sold the company, but when you tap into the will of the people, I, that's the reason why they come to work excited with enthusiasm yes. with passion. But uh, when people behave, uh, take advantage of their freedom mm-hmm. and uh, not be responsible for mm-hmm. this freedom. Uh, and they, what happens, they become more, uh, I, I say, or do you want to be a picker upper or a putter downer mm-hmm. and, and social media, uh, has become the new trash talk. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that used to be on only on athletic fields, you know, and um, uh, it it's driven, you know, instead of love, it's driven by hate. Yes. And it's and all, fear. What's by, that? And fear. Fear yeah. begets the hate, and half the time they don't know what they're hating. They're just afraid because yeah. fear has been sold to them so much. Yeah, and so the, the, they think that. They, a lot of people don't realize it. Uh, they think if I put somebody down, it picks me up. Mm. But see, that comes back to the me. Yes. I mean, if you just think about it, about the emphasis on me, uh, we have iPhones, mm. iPads. Yeah. I, I've seen the term iGod. We have a dot com that's yeah. me dot, you know, yeah. dot me. Uh, I even, uh, I do, you might have saw that I, I do a lot of bicycling and it's uh, my thinking chair. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one day I was out bicycling and I started, I don't know why I was thinking of the word consume, you know, like consumerism. Yes. And, but the last two letters of the word consume is M E. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we go by who we buy for. Typically. Me. Yeah, for me. <laughs> yes. So, uh, is uh uh i don't know there's something uh where we think that we've got to lift ourselves up so that people will recognize us when all we have to do is you know to serve other people and lift them up and and uh it's amazing what will happen in your life if you start lifting other people up and start search so you can serve them more Exactly. And that's where your abundance is. That's where your enrichment is. It, it gives you more than any material thing can ever give you. And, you know, funny you mentioned social media. I actually have a show on this week, too, which is about social media safety um, and, you know, and how it's a coward's way to be behind a screen and and verbally abuse people, cyberly abuse people. And, of course, many other things that are happening. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things is that we've got to all understand is our own accountability, our own accountability, our own responsibility. You're pointing a finger. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. There's three pointing back at you. Uh, what are you being? Are you being the disruptor or are you being the solutioner? Because we know hate is not productive. We know that hate never resolves anything. Now, if you can deal with your own discord and just like, get over yourself and, and start seeing things in gratitude and the abundance you have. Another show I did that's coming out this week is he takes these group of kids over to Haiti to see how other people live. While you're coming back moaning about your phone and moaning about this, moaning about that, see how other people live and be grateful for what America gives to you. Be grateful for the life that you have and then start stepping up and helping other people that aren't as fortunate as you. So I think, yeah, stop with the, the me, I, and myself. You know, you're the instrument that you need to bring to the, to the orchestra. Be responsible for that. Be responsible for your actions. Be responsible for your contribution. But the moment you are disruptive, whether it's in a company, in your own life, or in society, things start breaking down. Well, and that's you know, what we're seeing right now. Yeah, well, uh, one of the uh, culture shifts I've, I've been observing for many years um, I, it's a life and leadership principle. I, it's called principle versus uh, expediency. Mm -hmm. uh, expediency 
uh, is typically driven out of emotions and by fear. Uh, principle uh, is typically uh, it's uh, it's driven by faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I tell people is that we make choices and our choices make us. Yeah, so we're making uh, choices moment by moment. I mean, just like clickety click, clickety yep. click, you know, even abstaining from a choice is a choice. Yeah. And, <laughs> and typically uh, someone that has this expedient behavior, they are more interested in self gratification, yep. short term gain. And you've touched on it. If you stay on that path, too long eventually you'll you're gonna eventually your life's gonna have consequences mm -hmm. and uh and there'll be negative consequences yeah. but if you choose the path of uh is out of faith to be make principal decisions and this is talking about freedom and being responsible right uh you can't have it, one without and, the other <laughs> yeah well the the thing is you have a behavior that you think what you're doing is an, an investment in the future mm -hmm. and you're willing to sacrifice short term yeah knowing that long term you'll have blessings and success short-term gratification is going to leave you empty yeah well i tell you what you see it a lot today is on these making expedient decisions uh, is that uh, you, what happens, you do, you make decision. I see a lot of publicly traded companies right now. I see them making comments, the CEOs based on what's popular in the culture mm -hmm. rather than what really is the right decision. The root, right? They're, they're going from the top fizzle and fizzle rather than the root core value. And, uh, you know, we, I mean, we've certainly seen this in the last, you know, 15, 18 months with the whole pandemic, those companies that stood up to be there for their own people, for, for the people that they serve and those that exploited it. And, you know, the onus is back on you, mate, because we don't forget. And, you know, we're not going to do business with people who, who feel like that. We rather do with business with people that stepped up in whatever way and helped their community, because after all, we're all in this together life we're all in this together everybody can have their riches everybody can have their abundance but what are you seeding from that beautiful abundance to help other people yes yes well uh <clears throat> you know uh uh the, you know on the principal side this is these people are asking well what are my responsibilities but the people that behave in an expedient way they're, like I mentioned earlier, they're more worried about what are my rights. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, my rights and generally those rights are at the expense of somebody else. Exactly. If your gain is at the expense of somebody else, uh, and, and I'm talking a painful expense of someone else, then you know those rights. I'm sorry, you're not, you have no right to them. Yeah. You know, if it's, if it's hurting someone else, I'm sorry, you don't deserve anything. Right. Well, and of course, what happens, they get, see, that's one of the other things about expedient behavior. Uh, you're so <clears throat> focused on this short-term self-gratification and short-term gain, you get addicted to it. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of like the, you know, the story of the boiling frog, you know, you put them in, in cool water and, and then yes. you turn up the heat. 
and pretty soon there it's boiling and and all of a sudden the frogs cook and they, they never did jump out right but if you put them in hot water to begin yeah. with what did the frog do they yeah. jump out You're right so uh that's what happens when we get addicted to this expedient emotion driven by fear and i know you mentioned about abundance having an abundance mindset the opposite of it is uh, having a scarcity mindset and, and that scarcity is running fear and running hate and, and running disconnect that disconnect is not just with society it's with yourself yeah and you know well, there, there is nobody that escapes the process of their own self-discovery of their own self-love yeah well when what i've seen with people with a scarcity mindset uh when they finally uh if i can use the word when they finally are exposed uh what is it they give you all kinds of excuses like it was my boss or yes. my parents yes. or my wife or you know somebody else and they don't look at themselves uh and uh and you know uh, things happen to you that are out of your control right and right. but how you choose to come through it how you choose to survive it are you going to play the blame game or are you going to go um okay i didn't ask for this it happened to me what am i going to do with it i'm first going to nurture myself and help myself through this process but i'm not going to be the victim um, anymore because that gives the other person the power and being a victim is totally unproductive now yeah you've got to go through a process and if you're not willing to go through that process you're never going to be in your own self-discovery and however lot of time that is, is how much effort that goes into it. So there is no downloadable app. And that's, you know, that society where I have an app. I've only got two minutes. If you haven't got my attention, I'm gone. You know, for, for my shows, they, unfortunately, they will never listen to them <laughs> <laughs> because they require them to actually listen, hear and apply. Right. We're not there is nothing that you can do in two seconds that's going to be productive right so yeah, exactly. if you stop being the short-term you know gratification and start looking at rooting and learning and, and, and peeling back the onions and discovering now you're really going to get how many years did it take you through the process of your work to go oh this works better ah this works better oh a little epiphany here and a little epiphany there it didn't happen all at once it wasn't no, it one didn't. you know great big enormous light bulb you had little light bulbs along the way <laughs> yes it, it was you know a process <clears throat> and uh lots of aha moments mm -hmm. lots of hard knocks uh and um and the willingness the willingness to fit and change yeah well see uh is uh i have another saying is this kind of you know connected like sports or something but do you play the game to win or do you play the game not to lose mm -hmm. There's yeah. a big difference yes. in your attitude. Yes. And if you don't win, doesn't make you a loser. No. No. Not if you played I, it with integrity, not if you played it with all your heart. You know, the others were better, good for them, but that doesn't make you a loser. It's like I no. don't believe, you know, failure for me is giving up uh, and never standing up again. But otherwise, I just look at every time you fall down, it's another lesson learned. Yeah, well, I've seen too many sports teams, uh, you know, that are way ahead, you know, in their score, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, all of a sudden, yeah, you notice they start playing not to lose. 
And when they do, guess what? They end up losing the game. Well, they get cocky. Really, yeah. that's it. It's get cocky and self-confident. No, you know, we've got this and all of that. And it's like, yeah, you know, go in like, yeah, we've got this. We're going out there. Uh, but remember, the game is about playing with people, having fun, entertaining people, inspiring people. And, you know, if you do lose, you haven't lost. You just didn't win. Be graceful about it. And if you did win, yes, you did win. Take pride in that, but don't put the other team down because they didn't. So there's a hell of a lot of decorum that has to happen here, doesn't there? Yeah. Yeah, well, we you, have to look at all those principles, I think. Yeah, well, you mentioned that word uh, integrity, and that's one of my core values. Mm -hmm. is Mine too. And uh, this is my definition of integrity. Uh, it's a Bobby Albert definition is uh, doing the right thing, regardless of the consequences. But see, what do we tend to do? We, when we face with a decision, we look at the potential consequences. If it's a potential consequences that we, that are negative or we don't like, we start working backwards to make our decision. And that's not making a decision with integrity. Right. Yep. And it's and it's not doing the right thing. So what happens? Uh, you mess up. <laughs> you know, if my core is not in it, I can't do it. Now, my head may go, well, this is a good idea. But my core goes, no. And you go, but yeah. why? I don't need to tell you. I'm just, it's no. And so if my core, my heart and my core, my soul and my spirit are not in agreement. I'm not going to do it and I don't need to justify why. But when my core is behind something and I know I can do it with that integrity, with that intention, with that love, with that that um, direction of, of intent, then I know I'm on the right foot. But you, you know, it takes a while in your life to get to your core. And the more work you're willing to do into igniting that core truth uh, that divine truth that resonates through your heart and your spirit and allows your mind to know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. That's when you're living in your truth and you'll always be guided well by that compass. Well, uh, if we got time, I got a little story about the integrity. Uh, the uh, one time in our company, uh, our uh, second largest customer, uh, violated their integrity with us for the third time. Mm -hmm. I felt like uh, I needed to say something. Mm -hmm. I talked to our leadership about it, team about it, because if I, there was a risk if I called out, yep. uh, we, there's a good chance we're going to lose this customer. And um, so they all agreed that I needed to make the I need to make a call because everybody, everybody else had, we all have the same core values to yes. live with integrity. Right. And it was really, you know, uh, disturbing within our company. So I made the call and uh, I tell you what, there were several people from our leadership team. They were hanging out at the, at the door of my office you know, uh, to try to hear in what was going on. <clears throat> but you know what? Uh, when I made that call, that customer 
agreed with me. Right. They're only going to do what they can get away with, right? Yeah. If you call them on it. <laughs> I did. And, and you know where, you know what happened? I see this is doing the right thing yeah. regardless of the consequences. And, um, well, that I was shocked that they agreed with me. Uh, but the second thing even shocked me more. They came back and gave us more business. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it. You both needed each other. But somebody was taking advantage of the other person and pushing, you know, we're always going to have somebody push our limits. Keep pushing. How much more can I push you? How much more can I push you? When are you going to stand and say you're not going to take this anymore? And that's kind of human nature. When you stand and say, uh-uh, no, not going to take it anymore. Change your ways or there's the door. Then they have to reevaluate. And it's like, oh, oh, I've overstepped my boundaries. Right. But we do have to show what those boundaries are and people do have to be reminded. And if you're fearful of losing the customer, if you lose that customer and the word gets round that you stood your ground for your people, for your integrity, it's going to invite other customers coming to you that want to do business with you because of that. So you don't lose. No. And that comes back to behaving in a principal way. Yeah. Versus I didn't let, uh, fear drive mm -hmm. what we should be doing right yeah all you can do is, is is stand tall in your own core beliefs in your own core purpose and and know that this is what you're bringing to the table and the more we can unite people and and make them that wonderful choir or that wonderful orchestra the more music that's going to go out and invite other people so Thank you so much for sharing with us here today. How do people get hold of your books and how did they get hold of you? What is your, your well, site, love? Uh, if, uh, two things uh, is my website is pretty simple. It's Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, Albert, A-L-B-E-R-T.com. Uh, but if I may offer a, a free gift to your audience, mm -hmm. yes, this is dealing in the business area but uh, it's a culture assessment of your organization. Wow. And uh, I say business, it could be even a nonprofit, you know, mm -hmm. may be interested or an educational institution. But uh, the link is uh, uh, bobbyalbert.com slash culture, culture checkup. It, it's one, it, you know, it looks like one word, culture mm -hmm. checkup. So uh, I will make sure, Sarah, that uh, I'll get that to you so you'll, you can put it in your show notes or yep, however you I got do it that. So. Yeah. And, you know, that's a huge gift because, um, you know, we can only do with what we know. And having somebody from the outside looking in and going, okay, this, this, is, this is going to be a dead end or, you know, the, this, apply this and it will make things better. We need to be open to that. You don't make, you know, not like, no, no, this is my innovation. You're going to follow it. <laughs> right? This is my innovation. Help me navigate where I can incorporate everybody else so we can do it together. And we need that outside opinion. We do because we're too busy entrenched. Yeah. And so sometimes we just don't see the solutions because we're so much in the midst of it. And somebody else's eyes looking in and seeing something just go, oh, you know, I hadn't seen it from that point of view. No, because you were in the center, not on the outside looking in. So that's a great gift. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure to be on your show. Are the books on Amazon? 
Yes, ma'am. All three of them are. So. Oh, we had another book. I didn't even catch that. What's the other one? Well, it's called Principal Profits. Ah, okay. Quick blurb about the Principal Profits before we go. Well, uh, it gets into talk about uh, core values. It uh, gets into talk about uh, uh, 15 attributes of uh, culture. And I give a lots and lots of practical examples that we used in our own company. And um, uh, so that's basically what the, what the, the book gets into some of these, uh, uh, the difference between leading and managing and, mm -hmm. and relationships and results and uh, principle versus expediency and, and process and content. So, and, and abundance mindset uh, versus scarcity mindset. So there's a lot in the book, uh, uh, but the, uh, uh, the, uh, if, if I could suggest the true North business book, will cover some of those things in a more like a cliff note type of version. Uh, and, um, uh, they'll also in the book, uh, there's links to, downloadable documents to mm -hmm. help you discover your core values, your purpose, your vision, uh, and uh, some other uh, tools that are in there as well. So, you know, we'll see the best teachers are those that have gone through the process. And for a young person starting out today, they can have all the enthusiasm, they can have a great product. But if they listen to those that have gone down the path beforehand and have these wonderful skills, tools and advice and principles, it just like, why go through the roller coaster? when you can apply this now you know i say you're like you're going to fall in the potholes but we don't want you falling in the grand canyon you know so it's like pay attention to the wisdom that's been accumulated over so many years in running a business because these are golden nuggets for you you know i, I call my overall shows the orchard of wisdom uh, podcast ready for clicking because every nugget from every tree is something that you can apply to your life that's going to make your life and your purpose better so be willing to listen, to learn, to read and to apply, because that's what's going to make you succeed in your meaningful purpose. Thank you so much, Albert, for sharing here today. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Until next time, folks, remember those that have gone before us are nuggets of wisdom. Open up to listening and learning. And really, when you want to do something, is it coming from your core, your meaningful purpose? Is it a, you just have to, because when you do, and you invite everyone else to join you on that journey, that's when success will knock on your door. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.